You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Let me tell the pastor next to you, God will make a way. God will make a way. God will make a way. Um, preparing for service yesterday, I at some point got an impression about the color green. And I was like, what, no, what, 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 what? And, you know, for someone in service today... Um, it's time to go, and I don't know what that means. It's time to start. It's time to birth. It's time to take off and pursue. And what happens when God impresses these words in our heart? For someone, it's actually a confirmation. You've been asking God for... It's almost like you were asking God to say, Lord, can I start now? Should I try again? And he says, look, it is time to start. For someone else, it was almost like an announcement of harvest. All right? Um, and I don't know what it is uh, that you've been trusting God to bring in. And it says, look, it's a confirmation that, you know, the storm is over. So Noah, Noah will send out a bird to see if the storms or the waters had receded. And, and there was a time he came back with, 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 a, with a leaf. For someone, it's a confirmation that the storm is over. It's time for us to enjoy new expressions and fruitfulness in new ways. All right? Let me tell the person next to you. Tell them the land is green. The land is green. And, and this, this one is green. It's time, it's time to go. All right? It's time to go. It's time to go. All right. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. Um, thank you all for coming to church. It's always a privilege to bring God's word to us. It's always a privilege to share fellowship, to pray with us. And we trust God for an impactful time uh, through the word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, and verse 12 to 14, For though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This for though by this time you ought to be teachers. Help me ask the person next to you, how old are you? How old are you? I know some of you have been 18 for the last 25 years. But it's okay. It's okay. Some of you, your age decreases every year. (laughs) But the writer of the book of Hebrews here says, For by this time, you ought to be teachers. So, uh, when, when I was, you know, thinking of what to call the message, I said, oh, by this time, I know um, the guys in com says, no way. That's very, I said, like, well, that's my title in my side, but, you know. But the whole subject of becoming an adult is one that uh, interests me. In fact, we now make a joke about it. How that, you know, adulting, which is now a word we didn't have when I was younger, uh, adulting is, is a hard thing. It's like, oh my God, adulting is just, oh, nobody told me. It's a scam, you know. 
<laughs> and if they had told me I'd have remained a child forever. You know, that's, I, I mean, with, because when you become an adult, like Ore was saying, you have to figure out the purpose of your life. You then realize you can't just, you have to figure out food, rent, airtime, data, which finishes quickly. <laughs> you know? Oh, you love life, right? To keep your, your social status and your relations happy. Some of you won't fall, you just, you're falling in love just so that everybody else will be happy enough to your you know, petrol, traffic, progression in life, keeping up with your with your classmates, you know, what else? Health, all the things that come with becoming an adult. At what age do you become an adult actually? 16, 18, 12. <laughs> but but the writer here says, For by this time you ought to be teachers. And, and, and that's interesting. So I, I started asking myself the question, where should I be by this time? And spiritually, not physically, spiritually. Where should I be by this time? We have been talking over the last couple of weeks about growing up spiritually, about maturing as Christians. So we started out from Ephesians chapter 4. And I think we would pray from there at the end of this message. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, But when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I taught as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I remember going into the university uh, very early. So, I, I've told the story before, I was barely, I was just, I was 15 when I went to university. But uh, I know nowadays that's fine, but in my day that wasn't fine. I, I was really, really young. Uh, and, and I just did not have either the emotional or mental maturity to deal with that whole experience. And so I was just, I struggled. I, I struggled. Uh, I, I had gone way ahead of my, so I was always the young, I was kind of the youngest in my class already in secondary school. And then I had left my classmates. I was super smart. Ah, I was smart. You know, I left my classmates right after the day after my final paper in the in secondary school. Right, it used to be um, um, memories. It used to be English, I think, or something. <laughs> it was English, yeah? last paper? Oh, they've changed it. Okay, and so the next day went straight into school. That's how sharp I was. I was very, my parents loved to tell everybody, oh, he's now in the university. And not just any university. The University of Benin. <laughs> oh my God. That was the Harvard of our days. And, you know, I, no, but you, to be honest, at that time, they had not even drawn, they didn't even have a license for, I mentioned Covenant and people just start talking, but they didn't even have a light, they didn't even have the plans for Covenant University at the time. But great school Covenant is. Okay, I know you put plenty here. But you know, I God God had to see me through that experience. He did. But today I'm wondering where are we spiritually? If if we had spiritual ages, how old would Fala be? 
How old will Moim be? She knows, yeah, I think he's in her 50s in the spirit. Everybody, once you hear her pray, you know, 50, 60, in between there. Tokwe, 85. 85, that's, I know that one. 85. Oh, you are here today. I was looking for you. <laughs> her husband is not pleased with that 85 age. <laughs> okay, you're, you're 72. <laughs> but, but age, you know, and we make a fuss about age, you know. How old are you? A lady never tells her age. How can you PI? How can you ask me my age? Then when you're applying on your CV, you put it there in bold. <laughs> Date of birth. Some schools will not allow you into certain classes if you're not a particular age. Now, age doesn't necessarily predict maturity, but it holds an expectation. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, for by this time you ought to be teachers. By this time, there is progress that is expected of you. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, if you read from verse 1 to 4, Paul is talking to the church and he says, Look guys, I brethren could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it and even now you are still not able for you are still carnal for where there are envy, strife and divisions among you are you not carnal and behaving like mere men for when one says I am of Paul and another I am of Apollos are you not carnal. Let me ask the person next to you, how old are you in the spirit? How old are you? How old are you in the spirit? Because I know you are 25 or 35 or 40 something now, but it's really interesting. How old are you in the spirit? How mature are you in the spirit? People are giving numbers in their mind. Like, the number you've put, the Holy Spirit just rebuked you. He says, ah, stop that. Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 16, I have a lot of things to tell you. Uh, verses 12 to 13. He says, but you cannot bear them now. He says, however, when the Holy Spirit will come, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. Is it possible that God has a timetable for us? Is it possible that when we look at this whole walk in maturity, that God has a feel for where we should be per time. Some of us have been born again for one year and that's fine. Some got born again last month and we're so happy. Some of us, the day you got born into this world, <laughs> your parents were eyeing you. We're pastors. No child of mine is going astray. So your first words were not that. Salvation. <laughs> right. They've been tried. They didn't give you space at all. You couldn't go anywhere. Is it possible, church, that by this time God has an expectation for you? Oh, when you have little, I, so I have two kids. Love them dearly. I have three kids. <laughs> the two ones that I saw when they were babies. 
fascinating experience. One minute, little babies. Naming ceremony. People are texting you. Next minute, you know, they start to, then they're crying all through the night. Of course, you are taking care of them as much as the mother is. You are not sleeping because you're a responsible man, you know. And then they start to grow. But at one stage, you should only give them stuff that is that they can process. It's milk. But then they start to grow. And it's with excitement. My wife used to try and keep a diary. First steps. Oh, he's walking now. You text everybody. He started walking. He started walking. First toots. Oh, then first words. Everybody's excited. Can you imagine? Rolly speaking. She said, ah, that is, oh my goodness. Never in Port Harcourt has anybody spoken at three months. Never. She's going to be a prophet. I tell you she's going to be a prophet. And all of you, it was the same friend. They all tracked it. Like the guy beside you, a little baby at a time, couldn't say a word. That lady looking all fine with wig. <laughs> Nothing. At the time, very little, young, growing gradually. And then he, I don't know what's the next stage. What's the next stage, doctor? What did you do after that? Uh, they start, they start walking, running around the house, tearing things. Then you send them to school, to try and get them out of the house. When they start learning colors, numbers, and it just goes on and on. Oh, you have to uh, teach them how to use the bathroom. Oh, that's a good one. Because for some people, that takes a while. 10, 15 years. <laughs> but there are stages. Look, stay with me. There are stages in the physical. Oh, and then they get old enough for you to send them on messages, errands. And so, so go and get me water. There. You just came back from the kitchen, but it's all right. Just the joy. Then they start arguing with you. Then you start looking for your things. <laughs> Where's my watch? The brown watch. Anybody see my watch? My sneakers, my shoes. Where's the car? The house. Who took the house? What are the stages in the spirit? By this time, you ought to be teachers. What are the stages in the spirit? Is it possible that God has a timetable for us to? Luke chapter 13, verses 6 to 9. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look for three years. I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also. Until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, well. If it does not, but if it does not, or if it not, after that, you can cut it down. By this time. By this time. You've been hanging around God. You've been born again for 10 years. What are God's expectations of you? So I want to talk, so a couple of weeks we, we've spoken about what Paul would talk about, the basic principles 
But today I want to talk about a process, right? I want to talk about a process. 1 Peter 2 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk, the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So our desires are strongly important. You, you, and, and one thing I know about desires is that there are a lot of things that struggle for our attention in life. It was Oswald Chambers, a very old Bible teacher, who once said that you should shut out every consideration and keep yourself before God for this one thing only, my utmost for his highest. That the desire for God shall be one that fills our heart, the desire to grow in God. I don't know if you remember how dearly, how deeply, just before you found out about a scam, how much you wanted to grow up. You, 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 you wanted to be able to stay out late. You wanted to be able to go places. Some of you wanted to drink alcohol. At 12, you were already eyeing the bottle. Or some of you, it was sex. What are, what are they always doing behind the door? Sex. Oh, sex. What desire dwells within our hearts when it comes to our walk with God? What desire dwells within my heart when it comes to growing up spiritually? Paul says, uh, Peter says, desire the sincere milk of the word because what you desire you would find time for it says where a man's treasure is his heart is there also I've said people always find time for the things that are important to them that is why even a guy who is a bank CEO has time to have an affair Busy man, meetings from morning till night. But you will find time creatively for what is important to you. Not sure whether to be startled or. Well, thank you. God bless you. Are you one of the people I hired, madam? <laughs> hey, I know you, Nifemi, are the cheerleader. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, this is, free. this is Paul who is, who has had experiences in God. Ah, Paul is a, is an elder. Paul is writing letters that people 2,000 plus years later will be reading, quoting to one another to see how spiritual they are. Paul is writing this letter. And Paul writes one of those notes. He says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold on me. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind and if in anything you think otherwise God will reveal this to you 
Paul is a bishop already. Yet there is strong desire within him for growth. I mean, you know, the going to school doesn't mean you are educated, right? You know that you can be a, you can be a, work, a staff member of a gym. And the abs are not going to fly on you. You go to the gym every day. You open the door for people. Oh, you know, you can tell them, no, that treadmill, this one, yeah. But people, you know, our, our six packs didn't come like that. We worked hard at it. <laughs> because education is not just about passing knowledge. And it's the same thing with being part of a church, part of a local assembly. That this is this when you come to church on a Sunday to a meeting of the church. It is supposed to be inspiring desires within you. They say when you go to school, they're supposed to be inspiring you to be curious. Inspiring you to want to analyze, to ask questions. Your pastor cannot teach you everything. And I say that because I, I, would, I like to teach. Oh, I love to teach. But I know I can't teach you everything. But that there needs to be a, such a desire in your heart that one day you wake up in the morning and say, look, I need to listen to a sermon. That one day you, you go and buy a book. One day you, you take your Bible and you read from the beginning to the end. A strong desire on the inside. That that desire needs to be so compelling that it pushes you to do all sorts of strange things as you want to grow. <sighs> Guys, you know how when you like a girl, you know how kind of silly sounding things. Some of you, when you think back three years now, you were in the rain. You were trekking in the rain to go and look for her. You used your shirt to cover the flowers that you bought with your pocket money. It was desire pushing you, sir. And then you got there. They said, wait, she's seen another guy. But you were patient. <laughs> you say, ah, well, you've done it, Stephanie. You, you've done it before. <laughs> that when they talk about he said, she might like this. She might like... Because what, what it is, is that there is a way that our desire for God should inspire curiosity, should inspire an investment in all sorts of things. Last week, for example, I was talking about teachers of faith. And I mentioned some names, Kenneth Hagin, Copland. And you're like, who are these people? You know, what do they say? By this time, by this time, I'm speaking to someone today who I, it's as if God is ringing a bell around you and saying, Talk about by this time. Saying, Bissola, by this time. I know people around you have, you, you have a spiritual brand, people know you in church. But God says, his Bible says, he knows those who are his. God knows you better. So he's saying, 
by this time. He says you ought to be teachers already. Oh, I, I like what he says there about, he says there is a difference in diets. He says the people who are children, he says they have to continuously be fed with milk. Mm. They have to continue. In fact, I like how he put it in Hebrews 5. He says the diet is only milk. So milk is not bad, but he says it's only milk. He says they cannot contend with strong meat yet. Let me ask the person next to you, have you been eating some meat? Have you been eating some meat? Yeah. And this one I like because I was then saying, oh, we will quote the scripture, but what is the meat of God's word? What is it? I remember I asked uh, Ada to help me. I said, God, find out what is the meat of God's word? What is it? What, what, is, what is this? And I'll try and talk about that quickly. And and so, this is, so we said, look, there are foundational principles that you must understand. Righteousness, grace, mercy. How the Holy Spirit works. The resurrection from the dead. Eternal life. Baptisms. You must understand those things. But the meat of God's word, a couple of things, Hebrews 5 says that this man is not his unskilled in the word of righteousness. So, it's talking about a level of uh, proficiency in handling this thing. So, it's not just a basic knowledge. Do I know how to play the keyboard? I think I do. You sit down on the chair you press the things, the keys. They get called the keys. You press the keys, right? And you use your fingers. You press them, two fingers. You press it like that. Yeah? But you will never let me play for, for praise and worship here. But Josh has been playing the keyboard for how many years? 17? 15. 15 years. Sorry? <laughs> He's been playing for 15 years. He's a skilled player of the keyboard. So, the fact that we both say we can play or try to play the keyboard does not talk about our level of skill yet. May I warn someone that meat of God's word doesn't necessarily correlate with what we call deep in our generation. Because Paul speaks about something, he says the enticing words of man's wisdom. So, all those comments we put on Facebook and Instagram, deep. Oh my God, this is deep. The fact that something sounds creative, clever, does not mean that it is the meat of God's word. Ah, deep, deep. Caps, fire, deep. It doesn't mean it tickles you. But some of the meat of God's word is simple. I say to myself that I was, I didn't notice that when Paul or the writer of Hebrews speaks about the foundational principles He doesn't put love there. Because love is not a doctrine. It is, it is, love is the meat of God's word, sir. Because, in fact, when he describes it in 1 Corinthians 13, he says you could have been prophesying for a while. But if you have not understood and expressed love, he says you have not started yet. He says you can understand mysteries, 
but to the extent that you do not greet your neighbor because they blocked your car one morning when you were going out and so you have it says you have not started you have not started that if you can still proudly talk about your haters and you confidently carry malice in your heart and a list of people who you have not who are awaiting forgiveness in your heart it says you have not started Deep is not always complex. The meat of God's word is not always complex. But it's how we layer truth upon truth. Precept upon precept. How you begin to take the foundational doctrines of the word and begin to put them together. It's like music, sir. You know there's some music we listen to in the now. My goodness, this thing has got a beat. But in in six months, nine months, we're, we're like, ah, we're we dancing to this. Oh, but you know, some of, if we play the hits of what is 2019, if we play the hits of 2070, also like, what? Oh, we're dancing to this in the club. <laughs> Must have been drunk, you know. <laughs> but you know, there is music, sir, that even if it was 10 years old, 15 years old, you see, that's a jam, yes. That's a jam. And because it's church, I'm not going to bring up any such examples now. <laughs> but have you gotten to the place where you can take all these different things, where you take your understanding of righteousness and it inspires acts of faith? Have you gotten to the place where your understanding of the mercy of God cultivates strange love, strange acts of love? I was teaching the other day about mercy and I said, do you want that, that, that intercession, right? Is one of the most practical expressions of mercy that I can find. Where you are praying for people beyond yourself. Then you are talking about the meat of God's word. Where in, in mercy, in intercession, you are preserving lives. Mercy is saying, God, nothing will happen. I know this guy is not doing right, but nothing will happen to him or her before they can find the grace of God. Where you are praying for people who do not deserve it. So some people, because they do not understand mercy, have stopped praying for Nigeria, for example. Because what's the use of prayer? Have you gotten to the place where your understanding of the baptism into the body changes how you think about people? How it humbles you to participate in the joys and the sufferings of other people. So meat of God's word connects the dots in a practical way. The meat of God's word is not now studying the Hebrew and the Greek. Oh my goodness. When I was much younger, if you wanted to impress the crowd as you taught, and there's nothing wrong with doing it, but it helps people to perceive you as deeply spiritual, you would say, so, so the Hebrew of this world is Shaka. <laughs> and you should, I, I've got a Hebrew Greek dictionary and there are words that I go and find. But I'm saying that is not the meat of God's word. It's not the study of angels and say, oh, the angels, their names are like this and like that. It's not mystical stuff. It is how you begin to produce solutions out of the 
the principles, the foundational principles. If you're a medical doctor, you've studied medicine. You get to a place where you, you have to deal with the milk first. They teach you anatomy as a separate thing. And then physiology or, or and the pharmacology, all the different things. But that, is, that does not make you a doctor. Because you then get into the clinical aspect of it. Where all those little things you have been learning over the years. They said they, this lady comes, she's, she's broken out with some rash. And she's got a temperature. And then the doctor, because he understands how all these things work, can produce an accurate diagnosis of the issue. And so they would take complex things and they would simplify it. By this time, by this time, should where are you meant to be by this time? What, what is your level of ranking when it comes to understanding this 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 basic principles of the word what have you done with them that when your faith gets to the place where it's no longer a discussion about you i say to myself all the times when jesus commends the faith of other people i don't think i remember the one time that it was they were asking for something for themselves the centurion had a servant. He could have replaced the servant. But he was working with such love that produced great faith. The other woman was asking for her daughter. And so there is a narrow confine where you are still talking about me, myself, and the things that I want. But when you begin to participate in the meets, is when you understand that the next time I'm praying, in fact, I'm going to fast for one week and that fasting has nothing to do with me. And you write down the name of seven of your friends. And say, Lord, I am praying and fasting concerning A, B, C, D, E, F. It has nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. If I went, Jesus speaks about meats or food. I like it. I like it. Because he says in John chapter 4, verse 34, he says to them, my meats, some translations will say my food, it says is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work and so milk is stuff that it, it's still about me it's still about I, I need attention I need to fix this one and that one and that is important but the meat begins to say how does this affect nations what is the kingdom of God in this matter what is God's heart concerning this person? The meat of God's word. Jesus says, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. No wonder James will say, do not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers also. It's because you, when you hear the word of God, I used to say over the year, I tell myself, now, when I hear the word of God, it does, it will, it will give me something to pray about. It will give me something uh, to, 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 to act on. It will give me something to share. That when the word of God begins to open up into practical realities, is when I'm beginning to deal with the meat. I'm not just quoting theology. But I can tell you how the fact, because you can understand everything about the messy seat. 
and the organization of the tabernacle in the Old Testament and how what happened in the New Testament from Hebrews is, but how does that become flesh and blood? The Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That understanding, sir, that understanding, ma, is where you are beginning to partake of the meat of God's word. Where you have found root within, the word has found root within yourself, within your heart. So I cultivate the kind of desires that point me to God. By this time, I'm speaking to someone who, by this time, God has written certain expectations concerning you. I, I do not want to hurry you. But our time on the earth is not forever, sir. Ten years ago, you thought, oh my goodness, when I am 30. Last month, you turned 30. Surprise, surprise, it will soon be 40. Let me tell the person next to you, tell them you are growing old. <laughs> tell Moe, you are growing old. You are growing old. Okay, you are growing older, older. And tell them by this time, by this time, by this time, by this time. Hebrews 5 says you ought to be teachers. L let me speak about that a bit. Because in, honestly, this one has been big for me for the last couple of weeks. It says by this time you ought to be teachers. And it's as if the Holy Spirit was just reminding me that one of the ways that I made progress in my walk with him was when I started taking responsibility for things and for people. When you start to take responsibility for things and for people, you find all sorts of growth happening in your walk with God. Because our walk with God was meant to be handed over to, from generation to generation by certain agencies. One of them is teaching. Uh, one of the, Some people, oh, he says by this time you should be teaching others. By this time you should have people, Ejiro, who on a weekly basis you are asking, you are holding accountable. And I... <laughs> It's um, a guy called Edwin Lewis Cole who says maturity does not come with age but with the acceptance of responsibility. That you can, you can only be young once. Or you're only young once but immaturity can last a lifetime. That even in the physical, that is why when we are training children, it gets to an age you're like, ah, you're sitting down here. You're crossing your leg. They're making food. Who do you think you are? Move to the kitchen. Of course, you know they're not going to do anything in the kitchen. But you kind of want to put a sense of responsibility in their hearts. Because sons take responsibility. Help me ask the person next to you, who are you teaching? Who, who are you teaching? I know you are teaching people about the next, the latest dance steps in town. And that is fine. So when people want to understand how to dance, uh, what is the next dance that Rolly? Zanku. I thought Zanku was like a couple of months older. Nothing has come out after that? Oh my God, what's happening? 
we're slowing down guys <laughs> I, I didn't even learn that I thought it was going to be done soon alright I'll go and learn it then <laughs> but I know you are the one they come to when they want to learn about the next dance step about the movie you are the one they come to about technology but who are you teaching what God has taught you he says for by this time you ought to be teachers you ought to be teachers it didn't take long for me to see in the university that those people who had there were guys who I don't understand how it is before the semester had what the middle they were already organizing tutorials for other people what I didn't understand is that they were using us to learn again because when they will teach us at the point you then say what of this they're like oh okay and then they'll go and check it they say that you what you teach you learn twice maturity is the acceptance of responsibility in 2nd Timothy 2 2 he says the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses commit this to faithful men who will be able to teach others also our faith is meant to be transgenerational Ephesians 2 he says we are building upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets who are you testifying about? I don't, it doesn't matter whether you have been born again for one year. You, you have something to teach. And, and that's why laying of hands is an amazing thing in the body. That grace was meant to be transferred. That the power of God was meant to flow through the body. The same way blood flows through our body. It's the same, it, blood goes all through the human there's things that God gave you three years ago. You have kept them, sat on it, padlocked it, put a password. Revelations. He brought you out of depression. People in Lagos are trying to kill themselves. You are sitting pretty. Tell the person next to you, release it, release it. Let go, release it. He, he made you a billionaire. He taught you how to conceive things and bring them to pass. There are young people unemployed in the city. You are driving around. By this time you... And that is, for some people, that is the reason why the next level has not been accessible. Who are you teaching? I was saying to a young man here, and, and, and there's someone I love with all my heart. I said, Chief, you are too old for this. Oh. I said, to be honest with you, part of the reason why sometimes you are still doing this, uh, I'm a young boy in town, young boy in town, wearing shorts, something you know, all the girls like me, they're rushing. I said, it's because you've not started teaching people. I said, because when you take responsibility for people, there is something within your heart that self-corrects. Because you know there are people looking up to you. I'm not asking about a title, about a position, about a post, about an office. But I'm saying, would you let the work of God in you flow to other people? Now, would you stop waiting for a title, for an ordination? Open your phone, look at your contacts. Some of you, 600 people, choose 10. Who have you asked, how are you doing spiritually? Some of you to share your God experience. It's as if they ask you to do, donate blood. And you have such an awesome God experience. You were walking on the road to Damascus. Light came from heaven, struck you down. 
you were the only person that saw it. You were blind for a couple of days. They took you to XY's house. You could see. Come and tell us. When you tell us, we were like, ah, it can happen to me too. God has taught you something about self-esteem. When you just moved to Lagos, you couldn't look up. You, you were very meek. You, I'm just from the village. I just came. This is a good place to talk about that city in the southwest, but I will not. I'm well behaved today. God has, he has done something for you, but you're sitting on it. Tell the person next to you, tell them you should be a teacher by now. You should be a teacher by now. You should be a teacher by now. Yeah, you should be a teacher by now. I know you say you have problems, but you should be a teacher by now. I know you say you don't know everything yet. That is the reason. Because you have refused to teach the one that you know. Some of you, God has taught you about praise and worship. You have broken all sorts of, you have fought battles with praise and worship. You have kept it to yourself. You are busy posting pictures of Beyonce on Instagram. I'm coming for you. And I have nothing against Beyonce. (laughs) Commit this to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Who is approaching God because of what God is doing in your life? Who is finding their next step in maturing as a Christian because of what God is doing in your life? Who are you keeping accountable? Who are you laying hands on? The last part for me this morning is service. I found that as I served God, it was as though I was drawing on resources in the future. And so I needed to grow. When Jesus will speak to Peter about the future of his faith, he says, look, Peter, you're going to deny me. He says, but when you are restored, he says, will you strengthen your brethren? He doesn't say, would you tell others how great you are? He doesn't say, this is Luke 22, 31 to 33. He doesn't say, become a big chief. No, he says, would you do something for other people? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, that now I say that a hair as long as he is a child does not differ at all from a slave, although he's a master of all. But there are certain inheritances that children cannot enter into. But that sons take responsibility. As I preparing for this, and, and I, I, I got the impression that there are people who are even waiting for physical inheritances. Who should be serving now? Who should be asking questions now? There's someone, I don't know who you are, there is an inheritance, a physical inheritance waiting for you. And you should be asking questions that you'll be saying to the older people, how did this happen? How did God lead you here? What happened here? Because certain people, if you come into possession of an inheritance without the understanding of the wisdom that produced it, it becomes a challenge. (laughs) Are you Allowing God's grace to flow through you in service. 
so that it can then be multiplied. Paul says to the Corinthian church, God comforts us so we can comfort others. God says to Abraham, I will bless you so you can be a blessing to others. Growth happens. There's the growth that happens when you refuse to bury what you received from the master. The parable of the servants with the talents. One took it and said, my goodness, I'm going to bury it. So I don't know who that person is who has buried what God has put in them. He's got your gift. You've buried it. You're not serving anybody with it. And so there's no space. For someone is in the place of service. When you serve in church, it's not all pretty. Oh my goodness. It's not all pretty. But you know that because you are saved, it begins to draw all sorts of nutrition. All sorts of muscles that you did not know that you would need. You think the ushers here have a, an easy job? Because sometimes when you're ushering, you tell people, ah, good morning, they look at you like, who are you? you? In your heart, you draw from the nutrition of the word of God, patience. That scripture where God, how many times will I forgive? You know? 70 times 7, you say, you mark that person's own, one down. <laughs> you're drawing from it. Some of you are in a place where you cannot be offended. Because you have disengaged from reality. So you are not getting offended. But you are also not growing. You are not getting challenged. But you are also not growing. You are not serving. And there is service in the house of God. There is service everywhere. There is something about being a member of a growing church. Where God puts you in a place where you are contributing your own. Ephesians chapter 4 says, For whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. I'm asking people who have been in this house for more than a year, what are you supplying? Help me ask the neighbor, what, what are you supplying? What did you bring here? What did you bring here? Because it's, it's I mean, you just come and it's okay to come. The lights are off. Yeah? That's why the lights are off. To just hide. To be anonymous. I like being anonymous. Oh yes. Don't let me. Don't let me. I, oh I like to be anonymous. But in your anonymity. Can you supply something? Because that service. Allows the body to grow. And allows you to grow too. Who are you teaching? God puts man in the garden. A place where all sorts of growth is happening by this time by this time I'm going to round up in five minutes Um, I sense that for someone we've been building our spiritual life with no reference to the seasons that are changing. It's almost like we think that God will wait and that purpose and destiny will wait. Jesus from the age 12 says, should I not be about my father's business? There's a time to grow up spiritually. Paul says, I need to keep on growing. I, I've been so humbled in the last couple of weeks as I realized that there's a huge amount of spiritual growth that is awaiting me. 
I've been born again now since 95, I think. And I'm so excited about the coming weeks, about the coming months. There is stuff for me to learn. There are scriptures I'm reading and I'm realizing I never saw them the way they were. There's stuff for me to teach. There's stuff for me to learn. I've been saying this, that some of you who God has been hinting you that I want to make you a CEO. That there's a prayer life for a CEO. And that you develop it before you become a CEO. Otherwise, when you become a CEO, you'll be like, oh my goodness, I don't even have time. God is calling someone to be a father of nations. But in the wait to become the father of nations, you've been complaining. My God, what is this rubbish? What's all this rubbish? Ah. So you made somebody a promise? Ten years passed. I'm in faith, but what is all this rubbish? Look at my cousin now. He has, he has almost 12 children. God says prepare. They say that success is when opportunity meets success uh, preparation the man who wants to run a marathon does not start jogging the day before that there are certain seasons of our lives that will require certain levels of maturity and preparation jesus at the young age he's saying shouldn't i be about my father's business there is someone who needs to start a whatsapp group i hate whatsapp groups (laughs) so don't add me (laughs) but you need to start a whatsapp group for young men some you need to start a whatsapp group for people who are not happy another person you need to start something for people who are not employed for people who do not for people who are very intellectual and want to understand God for people who have been abused in the coming weeks we are trying to reach out to our neighborhood and our demography would you come and serve Would you refuse to be the place where all the things stop? Would you decide that you will stand up and let the grace of God be multiplied in and through your life? Would you call someone and say, look, let me tell you what God told me. Would you cultivate a new desire within your heart for God, for prayer? Would you take the leads off? I know you were hot where you used to be, but would you consider that God who sent you has a plan for you? He's working all things together and he will protect you. Paul says, I press on. I press on. By this time, guys, I might as well throw in the national card. Our country is at a place where it needs leaders. Who told you they had to be old? Who told you they had to be in Abuja? Who told you they had to be elected? Who told you they had to have an office? The man who would sit with God and build that upon which generations to come will ride upon. The guy who would start writing a book now. The lady who would start writing a song now. Who would take one talent it is, but that they would refuse for comparison or shame or the thought of failure to keep them from deploying it. By this time. By this time, guys. Who told you you had to go to Bible school? Who told you you had to be a bishop? Did God not bring you out of the storm? Who told you you had to have a church? That you would take the meat of God's word. And I'm kind of done. 
that you will take the meat of God's word. And there's always so much to do in the church. That you would refuse to be passive in church. That you would refuse to be passive in life, guys. That you will refuse to postdate your destiny. And say, maybe in three years, God will use me. That you would talk to the guys and say, would you come to my house on Saturday morning, guys? I want to talk to you guys about God. That you would lay hands on someone. That you can see that man who is going to hell. He's destroying his house. That you would stand up and be counted. That you would pray. That you would say to him, let me pray for you. That you would refuse to stay in one place in God. That you would refuse to stay in one place. That when you look at the calendar of heaven, that you will not be behind. People shouting your name. Those who have gone before us who are shouting your name. There is David shouting your name. He's saying, Israel, you can do this. Come on. There is Samuel. There is Paul. There's John, they're all the apostles, they're the bishops who've been around. There's Idahosa, there's all sorts of people who have sown, who've sweated, who've prayed, and they're shouting our name as a generation and saying, By this time, come on, guys, come on. Would you stand and be counted? Would you refuse that with that which God put in your heart? Would you refuse to hide it, guys? Would you stop waiting for some? Certification or ordination by man, would you stop waiting for a pulpit? Would you stop waiting for all things to be perfect? By this time, guys, there's a call heavy upon your life. It will not happen the way it happened in the other generation, but would you start with God? By this time, guys. By this time, guys. Would you stop with the comparison with I belong to Paul, I belong to Samuel, I belong to this. Would you take a burden from God and pray for nothing, Nigeria? Would you take a burden from God and pray for all our children, all our kids who are stuck on drugs? Someone needs to stick to, needs to take this whole thing about people who are stuck on gambling. By this time, guys, Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.